Welcome to the Station Tapes at 21 Soul. I'm your host, Lewis Marks, here at the old train station across the river from the great city of Philadelphia. Today on the show, I sit down with Massimo Bielkati and Tyler Blanton to talk about their project dubbed the Horny Electric Band. It's spelled H-O-R-N-E with an accent, and it reveals the sense of fun intended by the players. The band features some rope alumni, Chris Bullock and Mike Marr from Snarky Puppy and Yasim Valaris from Ajoyo, along with drummer Corey Rawls and trumpeter Wayne Tucker. The point of this band is fun. Shake loose and have a good time. Their new self-titled album is set for release on September 27, 2019, and features a killer lineup of special guests including John Schofield, John Ellis, Chris Potter, Lionel Luique, and Donnie McCaslin. Welcome back to the station tapes at the Ropado Room. I have the great pleasure today of speaking with Tyler Blanton and Massimo Biocati. And I apologize for my pronunciation. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Good to be here. I should say, as we get started, that you folks are the leaders of the Horny Electric Band. That's right. For the audience, that's H-O-R-N-E with an accent over the E, and uh, that's the best place to start. <laughs> where where there, there's, a, there's a, I think, I sense a couple of plays on words in here. What's... Uh, uh, that, you're not wrong. <laughs> okay. Shall we leave it up to the audience's imagination? Yes, it's, that's, that's kind of the, the foundation of the band. It's uh, yeah. about having fun and... and, and there you go. Uh, in the music so yes we don't take ourselves too seriously that's good because there's so many serious things these days that we we need a we need mm-hmm. a, so thank you let's let's dig back how did you guys meet how did you two connect mm. well, i think Mossimo and i played some jazz gigs in new york city God, maybe eight eight or nine years ago at this point a long time ago and then i didn't see him for many years uh he got i'll let him talk more about this but he got pretty involved in um developing uh, apps for the iphone and um kind of wasn't on the on the jazz scene so much and we reconnected about three or four years ago because um, i asked him if he wanted to play some some gigs on electric bass i had seen that he had been playing with uh with Lionel Oleke. Um, playing electric bass and playing this little U bass, which I thought was really cool. At the time, I was doing a lot of uh, uh, gigs around town uh, with Ari Honig. We were playing electric, kind of improvised electric jam music in different places. And, um, and I needed a bass player, and I, I remembered him and had seen him, you know, playing this little uke bass. Um, I thought, oh, we should we should try this. We should reconnect. Um, so that was kind of how we started playing and then reconnected you know this was uh we probably played the first time around 2008 2009 and then we started playing again um you know 2016 i would say so there was a good gap of like seven or eight years in between did did it did you start playing uh in a live setting first and then and then go to recording yeah it was all live and in fact even the horny electric band we played live for years and um you know, for the first two years and change, it was, we only did live videos or YouTube things, or it was all very DIY. Uh, we never, 
you know, made any like codified recording. It's certainly not never a studio recording. So for the fun of it. Absolutely. <laughs> no doubt. So Massimo, uh, if you could tell me, give us a little bit of history. Uh, we've, there's already been some heavy names dropped in this interview. Uh, where, where are you from and, and how did you come to, to music? Uh, I'm half Italian, half Swedish. And um, so I, I grew up going back and forth between Italy and Sweden. And I started studying music and, uh, in my teens and I got into jazz and the upright bass and and as I moved to Sweden after a while, one of my teachers said, if you want to learn jazz, you got to go to the U.S. So I applied for a scholarship and got into Berkeley College of Music. And then after a few years in Boston, I got into the Thelonious Monk Institute in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. uh, where I met some great players and some wonderful teachers. And, and um, yeah, so my background is mostly jazz. So I, I, and uh, one of the main bands I've been playing with is the Lionel Lueca Trio. Were, uh, were your parents into music? Were, were they supportive? Uh, they were not musicians, but they always loved music and they, they were always supportive uh, learning music. They were not so supportive when I decided to be a professional musician, but... Uh, <laughs> we but, all understand that. Yeah, yeah exactly, yes. <laughs> once, once I started uh, coming home with uh, paychecks and... and records made they're like okay i guess you can make a living uh, fine go with it <laughs> <laughs> worked it out yeah. uh tyler uh let's 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 hear your path to the music yeah i mean i was lucky that again neither of my uh, my parents were musicians but they were really supportive um my mom my mom's side of the family is musical her dad uh, played saxophone was a jazz saxophone was a jazz saxophonist um he uh he played around LA a lot. He played in a lot of big bands and, um, you know, he was also did construction, but would come home, take a nap and, and play, play gigs <laughs> at night. Wow. Uh, so my mom uh, always had a, a love for jazz and I, I was exposed to that through my mom's side of the family. Uh, and she was the first one to kind of egg me on when I was getting into, uh, getting into music. I mean, in high school, I remember her driving me two hours down to LA to take lessons with, you know, different uh, studio musicians and people that I wanted to study with. So uh, I was very fortunate in that regard. From where? You, you, Santa Barbara or? Yeah, near Santa Barbara. I grew up in Ojai, which is just, yeah. uh, just inland of Santa Barbara. Um, so it's about an hour and a half to two hours to LA um, by car. And um, used to be. Used to be, yeah. It's anywhere from like an hour and a half to five hours now, depending <laughs> <laughs> on traffic. Um, uh, so yeah, that was kind of my, you know, early early um, experience. Mostly kind of in high school is when I got really kind of serious into playing and uh, and studying. Um, and then I went to I went to school up in the Bay Area. I went to Sonoma State, which uh, is just north of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. uh, but then in my early 20s, I moved to New York. I didn't know anybody. I just kind of started afresh. And I just, again, it was the same thing Massimo kind of mentioned where it became clear to me that if I really wanted to do this at the highest level, I needed to be, uh, I needed to be in New York to pursue that. Um, so it's interesting to me. I, you know, I, I always, you know, people usually have two, two, 
you know, one of two stories. You know, I, I, I had a, a strong musical community and I was hanging out with the cats in the, in the town that I grew up, whether it's like Philadelphia or Dallas, you know, or even some people who are the, the few people that we know that actually grew up in New York uh, or, or, or Boston around Berkeley. Um, and then the, the other story is, you know, I, I migrated to, to, the, to the jazz mecca, you know. But what's interesting to me is I'd like to hear what you guys think of, you know, the state of jazz today because you're both players at the highest level, obviously, if you're uh, playing with some of the people that you mentioned, and 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 yet now you're taking that level and you're and you're presenting it in in the way that you fancy. Uh, mm. How do you do? Do you feel like that that's uh, unique to this time in in history, or? Uh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say so. I mean. Um, We've always seen through the history of jazz, people mixing things, you know, starting Charlie Parker was playing with the Afro-Cuban orchestra. I mean, there's people have had ideas about taking their musicianship and, and the, some codified version of what jazz is and taking it into any kinds of direction. Um, what's interesting in New York, uh, it's that you're exposed to so much good live music and there's so many musician at the high level that you any any style that you're into it you can get to it at a higher level and and cross pollinate with all kinds of things so that's always very exciting what's your favorite part of new york for that i mean i know there's there's scenes in brooklyn but is it still kind of downtown where everything's happening or is it spread out uh, yeah i mean there are there are few micros and that's that's the other thing in new york there are so many scenes as we call them like groups of of of, of like-minded musicians that that are uh, you know held together by by some ideas and and uh, you know so you can be part of one scene but then it's also very easy to to play with other scenes and yes downtown there's the the straight ahead jazz scene in you know in the in the West Village, but even there, like, there's difference between who who plays at 55 bar versus who plays at Smalls Jazz Club. Mm. So, I want to say on that note, I think what's interesting about this band is that um, we have a really great uh, chemistry uh, together. But a lot of us have been in very differing circles. Like, mm. for instance, you know, I mean, Massimo and I probably have the closest history of playing with some people in common. But you know, the drummer Corey. Uh, plays in a lot of R&B, backbeat, groove kind of things. You know, came up playing in church, and, and we have a really great connection with him, but he's definitely in a lot of different scenes that um, that that we are not. And the same with some of the horn players, you know, the Snarky Puppy guys. Like, there's a, uh, it, it crosses a pretty big, uh, transverses a pretty wide scope of, of different musical circles. Um, yeah. And which I don't think... It, what, which is maybe, a, I don't want to say it's unique, but it's maybe less common. I feel like a lot of times you'll see groups of like mm. clicks of players and they're like part of how they identify in their sound is that, you know, they all have this, you know, I can see like, like from like uh, Chicago, there's a whole scene of guys and they play a lot with these guys from Chicago. They have a history together and it's kind mm -hmm. of a little scene. I, I think you see that a lot. This band is definitely a, an exception in that regard, mm -hmm. I would say. Yeah, I want to hone in on that. I mean, because that, that's interesting. I, I was just, uh, Phil Lasseter came by uh, the other day 
and we were talking about the Dallas scene and that's exactly what it was. You had cats playing down in Deep Ellum playing one particular style. Uh, and then you had kids at UNT, Snarky Puppy, playing uh, a different style. And strangely enough, they were isolated from each other hmm. until, you know, one, one guy uh, connected the two, you know? And the next thing you know, they're, they're down in Deep Ellum at R.C. Williams uh, Open Jam and something really fabulous and interesting that, that, you know, caught the ear of a lot of people that Snarky Puppy, uh, you know, developed from that. So it's always a surprise to me because, you know, Ropadope has people coming from all over the world and I definitely, you know, our role is to try to connect people, but I definitely see that people are in certain groups, you know, uh, you know, they have their own, their own network and, and it doesn't often happen that they're outside that network. Um, I mean, except for the occasional, you know, somebody got hired for a certain gig and then played a different sound and then, then he's plugged into that other network. But I was surprised to see, uh, here, Yasin Bularis connecting with you guys. Um, his path is different, you know, from Paris to New York. Uh, how, how did you guys connect with Yasin? Yeah, well, Yasin is somebody I met, again, years ago when I first moved to New York. We played a couple times, and then I didn't see him for, you know, eight or ten years. And he called me out of the blue because we we were playing a lot at this place, Bar Lunatico, which is this great spot mm -hmm. in Brooklyn. Uh, they have a lot of different kinds of they have world music and straight ahead stuff and, and, and uh, everything in between. And the Horny Electric Band kind of – formed in a lot of ways from doing a lot of regular shows at, at Barlunatico. But Yasin's Benajoyo had also been doing a residency at Lunatico and we kind of started seeing each other's name again. Um, I ran into him after years and he called me out of the blue to sub in that band uh, for a show. This was around maybe 2015, um, which is really awesome to reconnect and to see what he, he was doing because he had developed his whole, as you know, he has this really great band with a really, you know, identifiable sound and concept. Um, but uh, after we reconnected, um, you know, I thought of, of having him to come in and, and, you know, be part of this group and he fit in really well. Um, so again, it was just kind of a personal relationship that just got rehashed uh, kind of randomly of just us ending up in the same fold years later, you know, in this little, little scene in Brooklyn. Um, yeah, I have, I was connected to him too, through uh, randomly through a jazz session that I played and we played straight ahead music. And then later I, I even played with him, uh, some African music uh, because of my experience playing with Lionel Lueke playing African music and, and he, uh, he had some gigs where he was playing some uh, high life style mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, he, he called me for that. So yeah, there's many, many paths of yeah. connection. Right. So yeah, it's just, just fascinating to me and I, and I love it because the, these are the, the, you know, these are the things that cross boundaries and then end up creating new, new sounds. Mm. Uh, what is, what is the intent of the horny electric band? What, what do you, what are you saying to the people? Hmm. Well, I think it's, uh, to me, it's more of just trying to just cultivate um, 
cultivate a vibe for lack of a better word of just um when we when we play a show uh, at least my prime directive is that everybody just be immersed in it and be having a great time mm-hmm. um uh there's a lot of kind of silliness interjected and silly song titles and, you know, we do our thing, but I feel like the, the shows that connect the best are when people just show up and they're just in the music and it's a total party. And mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's kind of my uh, intention with the band. I don't know. I'd be interested to see, uh, you know, from the bass chair, Mossimo has a different, uh, yeah. And ha- having played a lot of, uh, "Quote unquote serious jazz." It's uh, um, we wanted to kind of um, relax a little bit and, and maintain the the fun parts of playing in a group where we interact musically uh, and and create um, new moments each time. So we we like that aspect of of the the creative process happening on the band stage. So there's a lot of the songs will sound different each time. We try to keep that aspect from jazz, uh, but then we we wanna we want the fun to be uh, perceived by the audience as well. So we uh, we have like to keep the grooves in a in a steady, uh, danceable, maybe almost uh, sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, it's a combination of those two things. Right. Yeah. Fun with a capital F. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I think some of it may be a little bit also just kind of a, a pushback or a break from uh, overly intellectual, overly curated and um, introverted uh, <laughs> modern yeah. music, which a lot of us have spent some degree of time in, which is great. You know, I mean, it, it is what it is. And I, you know, it's a, it's, it's yeah. part of how, what jazz is now is like you know, chamber jazz and very, you know, concert curated, very, very conceptual music. This is, uh, I mean, the, the, the music is not simple, but I think our goal is always to present it in a very lighthearted and fun uh, way so that somebody just having a beer at the bar would want to get up and dance and would be able to get into the sax solo. And, um, you know, it's not, it doesn't, it, it's not a demand, an intellectual demand to enjoy. I think yep. it's been one of the things we've struck, stri- we strive for. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's uh, you know, I'm watching jazz trying to find its way back to its roots uh, while still maintaining the concept of jazz as a high art. Right. Uh, with, with, without so much of that seriousness. That part, part of that to me seems like such, a, it's, it's sort of a marketing plan. It was the marketing plan, you know, mm present jazz in a high art form as it should uh and yet it, it kind of led away from the people to a certain extent and right. it feels like so many uh and and you included are, are bringing it back to the dance floor uh yeah. i want to ask one question about you know so it's the electric band and you put in the bio electro groove i think yeah so <laughs> tell me what's happening there is there is there some is there some electronic element that like a live looping kind of thing or something yeah so well no we don't use loops but I, although we do experiment with things like that early on but um uh the electric part uh, stemmed from when i started it i was you know, i'm a vibraphonist mm-hmm. so i play acoustic vibes for a long time and i had experimented with 
you know, running it through pedals and trying to get different sounds out of the acoustic instrument. And then at some point I switched to playing the mallet cat, which is what I perform in this band, which is essentially a MIDI controller that's just arranged like a vibraphone. Um, so I, I hit that, I play that like I would a vibraphone, but I'm just gonna send it through whatever sound module synthesizers, I run it through, um, uh, through main stage and use, uh, you, know, you know, whatever samples that I want. Um, so I'm pretty much, I'm playing completely out of, um, out of the box. There's no acoustic sounds coming from my end of things. So are I'm you, kind of electric element of that, of the band. Are you improvising that or, or is that, is that? Yeah, there's a lot of improvising. There's parts and um, I certainly have parts. I would say most of the scripted parts are the, are the horns and the bass lines are, the, are really the more the anchored parts of composition. Right, but there are no loops or pre-recorded sample or drum loops that we use. It's all, it's all played live. All the electronic sounds right. are gotcha. played live. And yeah. the, the samples are triggered live in real time. Yeah, because yeah. we, I, I remember we experimented with having loops and stuff early on. And I think we realized that it, you get too hamstrung by, yeah. as a jet, you know, there were things that were like, oh, well, this passage sounded really good four times. But then we got there live and people were grooving, we wanted to open it up. So we realized that in order to keep that flexibility and be right. in the moment with the show, um, things needed to be on yeah. demand, having, having rigid, like, uh, yeah. and, the, and the way we play, um, with, with a lot of freedom and we, we often take, uh, the music in a slightly different direction and having, having set pre-recorded backing tracks would definitely not work with, with that, with that aspect. Gotcha. Right. Well, let's, let's, uh, as we wrap up here, let's, let's talk about the album, uh, Horny Electric Band. September 27th, 19th, and the title is? Self-titled. Self-titled. Yeah. Self yeah. It's our debut, debut album, so we call it. Good. Okay, good, good. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have that information. And then you've got, um, the, let's talk about the core band. Um, you guys, horn section, Wayne Tucker. I'm not familiar with Wayne. Where's Wayne coming from? Uh, Wayne's from Rochester? Mm -hmm. And uh, Wayne is another guy who's kind of a musical chameleon. He's in a lot of different scenes. He plays with some straight ahead guys in the uptown scene. He plays with Surreal Amy, that he sings? Mm -hmm. Surreal Amy, who's a, a really great singer, and he sings and plays trumpet with her. Um, he leads his own groups, and uh, he's, yeah, he's really kind of, you know, one of these guys that's, again, is in a lot of different circles. Um, fantastic trumpet player. Uh, pretty hilarious guy. I think his, I think his vibe on stage is definitely a major asset. <laughs> the yeah, day. I want to note that people there. There's a lot of video out there. For people should check that out um, and and put it up on the big screen and have some fun. Uh, Yasin Bolaris, we mentioned. Right. A uh, couple of cats from Snarky Puppy, Mike Mars, Maz, and Chris Bullock, two great fun dudes. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the thing about the horn site, we ended up kind of arriving at having these two horn sections. Uh, part of that out of logistics of, you know, when, Ma when Maz and Chris are doing the Snarky Puppy touring, they'll be gone for like four months. Yeah, yeah. And then when they get back to New York, they're like, a lot of times, or at least for a while, they were wide open because they hadn't been around. 
So <laughs> I came to find out that if, if Moz was free, Chris was usually, and they were actually roommates for a long time. So I would just send a message and, hey, you guys are around next week. And, yeah. you know, it was kind of a package deal. So they became a horse head just like if, if, if those guys can do it, cool. Or if, if you know, Yassi and Wayne can do it. We kind of had like a, a two options on the table. So that's how the two horn kind of came about. Yeah. Then you brought in some special guests. Uh, yeah. Chris Potter. That's right. John Ellis, uh, uh, an, an old-time rope-a-doper. Yeah. Rope-a-dope OG from the Charlie Hunter trio, I think. Yeah. Uh, and Donnie McCaslin. Um, uh, <laughs> it just keeps going. Lionel on here and yeah. the great John Schofield. Um, uh, amazing that you pull these folks together. Uh, are are they are they ever are they are they together in certain tracks or or no each one got their own uh, feature they're the uh, feature guest yeah we just went through our list of people we've played with through the years or and uh, or met and, yeah and then went through our music like which songs you know uh, could fit. With with the different players, and you know, I've I've I played with John Ellis a number of times, and he's got that roots bluesy sound, yeah, yeah. fit perfectly. Uh, and um, same thing, you know, I played with Chris Potter a few times, and I thought we have this more slightly more fusion esque sounding track. He would be incredible on that, so that worked out. And and they were all they were all very excited and and very kind in in their. Uh, given very generous with their music and their time and it was been a really great experience it's yeah. wonderful uh and i love all the connecting points you know one day we're gonna we're gonna draw up the rope dope family tree which is re really you know your family tree <laughs> how everybody's interconnected but uh, a lot of connecting points with people that are the personnel that are on this record so i'm very excited to uh for, to get this out to the world and for people to hear it and uh, hope you guys are excited as well and, and just you know thank you for uh, your form of uh, reinvention uh, and and for bringing the fun because uh, as I said earlier we all need a little fun in these yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah so gentlemen thank you so much I appreciate both of you uh, and uh, really looking forward to getting this getting this out to people thank Great. you Lewis thanks Lewis Thank you all for tuning in to the station tapes. If you like what we do, please subscribe on Mixcloud at 21Soul. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google, and wherever else pods are cast. Our video interview series is available on YouTube at Robodope99, and you can find out more about the artists we speak with at Robodope.com. Thanks to the 21Soul team, Nick Perry and Steven Yashevsky on production, Larry Yetman on video, and the great Fabian Brown on the creativity and positive energy tip. Our theme song is from Red Hook Soul by saxophonist Michael Blake. You can find out more about Michael Blake at michaelblake.bandcamp.com or on your favorite streaming service. Finally, thanks to all of you who keep the flame burning for independent quality music. To the musicians who pour their creativity into the world, and to those of you who are taking the time to listen, we hope you enjoy the show.